Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. It is Friday, May 20th. This month is flying by, thank goodness, because May, as we <laughs> talked about last week, is sometimes one of the more painful months. I feel like it's just crazy, so... Thank you, Mara, for being here, and Greg, for a nice civil discussion about politics. Yes. You know, it's 50-something degrees today. Do we ever get like a 70-degree spring day ever? We want this kind of spring. Oh, man, I want... This is the spring we want. It is good so things don't get hot, but I do, my body personally would enjoy it if it like slowly kind of went up from 40s to 50s to 60s, 70s, 80s, because when all of a sudden it's 80, you think it's 100 degrees outside. My phone's telling me we're hitting the 80s in a few days, and we didn't get any of our 70s And now when it's up and down, the hotter is too hot and the cold is too cold. Yeah, so it's hard to adjust, but here we are. It's cool. So I guess have a little hot cocoa. My son, uh, <laughs> my car was not working. It's a, lo- it's a long, convoluted story. But he had to walk home from school and from soccer practice. And he told me last night, he's like, I walked home, and it was so nice and crisp outside. And I stopped to get hot cocoa. I'm like, okay. Yeah. So <laughs> enjoying those, like, fall vibes as we're nice. heading into spring. In so spring, in May. Go bring a jacket, roast some marshmallows in your backyard or something. Yeah. I don't know. So Yeah. There you go. Next week, we'll be complaining that it's hot. So we'll just be happy well, with it. what we that's have. That's why I want 70. You can't feel 70 degrees. It, I know. It doesn't feel hot. doesn't feel cold. But 72, you, know you don't even feel the weather. It's just perfect. It's perfect. doesn't hurt. That's well, the weird thing is, is this May ends up being sick month. Uh, Mara was um, sounding a little raspy last month, but you still she's have your still smoker's She's still a super hack. spreader. I'm yeah. just going to call it as it is. She's, she's, she's aerosoling this entire podcast But I want to room. assure our audience that I'm only <laughs> coughing towards Greg. I'm, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not coughing towards Heidi. Super spreading to, it at me. Do you feel like as you're like in like week three or four of coughing that you have to like say, it's not COVID to everyone, I'm or do you just turn around and, right now? Yeah. I might print a T-shirt that is like, "I've been tested. It's not COVID. I have a lingering cough. I'm sorry." I know everyone goes there. Everyone's head goes there. It's just it's it's COVID. If they hear any kind of, and I have an ugly cough too. It's not a petite. It's, it's like barking. It's, look, it's allergy season too, so I'm feeling allergies. But you know, you even exhibit allergic reaction right now and you may as well be a super spreader i have allergies too i've been drinking a lot of lemon water so that my voice doesn't sound like i'm sick but the odd thing is is i think there are a lot of people sick right now we had the governor who finally um got his turn we all get a turn with COVID. who was out he said it was the worst sore throat of his life but um he called it like a hot iron on the back it was just very horrible yeah yeah a hot iron on the back of your throat ow i'm glad he's back I didn't, I didn't, I've had COVID, Maybe if you're like a cattle rancher, you think of those kind of things because you brand cattle because he's like a farming kind of guy. Yeah, Yeah. that's a rural analogy, I'm sure. But yeah, I'm not, I didn't feel it that bad. I got it for about two days and I felt the body aches and I had like fever dreams when I was trying to sleep and it was miserable, but I only had, it was Red Bull. I still maintained if you get, if you get COVID, just start guzzling the Red Bull and you will be okay. That's what I did. I'm not convinced that that's like the natural healing your body needs, but it probably did give you the energy that was sucked out of you. Yes. I I just couldn't, I just kept drinking more of it. Yeah. And the interesting thing is, um, 
recently, I think it was IHC who held the news conference. It was yesterday, and they said that they're seeing a spike in cases. I don't know if I personally would call it a spike when you see our cases are low, but it is a little rise in cases that we haven't seen in a long time, and they're worried about having some of their physicians and nurses and doctors calling in sick um, right now. So I was looking up the numbers. I mean, we're still, if you look at a graph, I'll post it online, we're in the category of we're still extremely low, comparatively speaking, but more and more people are kind of feeling cruddy and getting sick right now. So I don't know if it's just catch up payback because we spent so much time at home. But right now, as people are considering their boosters or uh, second booster or what they're going to do, uh, the CDC just approved uh, five-year-olds and up to be getting the booster shot. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm going to post some information if you want to look at it for people who are getting sick right now and also uh, those who are getting hospitalized. And interestingly enough, it seems like everybody's getting it. And right now, I think 75.2% of the state has at least one COVID vaccination. So a large percentage of the state is vaccinated at this point. So it kind of gives you some idea when you look at the numbers. But currently, when you look at the past 28 days, there's about 2,400 uh, people not vaccinated who've got COVID, about 2,500 who are vaccinated with the two shots, and about 3,800 who are vaccinated and boosted uh, who are getting sick. And then when you look at the numbers, they're almost even uh, people who are vaccinated, not uh, vaccinated, not vaccinated, and boosted too, who are hospitalized. So it seems like across the board people are still getting it so the only thing i'd point out and it's not it's not to say it's a bad thing but if it's vaccinated dot 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 meaning you've just been <laughs> you know the booster or not so it's it's vaccinated thank you mara that was I, my hair I just cough came backwards button, sorry wow I know. no no <laughs> anyway vaccinated and either boosted or not boosted but vaccinated and um it's a number that's it that is higher than those that are unvaccinated now to your point heidi if 75 percent of the people have had it at least a vaccination or more, then it would stand to reason that they would, they're just over a general population, there would be more going in, but to the hospital or, or testing positive. But here's what I just, bottom line, it looks like you're still going to get it if you're vaccinated. So I think we have to not imagine that we're immune from it completely. And now just kind of operate that it's a flu. It's just like, just, I, I don't even know why we it's would test anymore world. at this point. I would just say if you're sick and you're so sick that you feel like, you're like you're not, sick Mara version where she can super spread me and she's not That's doesn't right. have COVID. That's fine. But if you're just that sick that you feel like some of these descriptions, stay home. Just stay. I used to try to force my way through work or whatever when I didn't feel well. Just stay home if New you feel rules, that bad. Stay home. Yeah. Stay home. yeah. And the interesting whatever thing is, is, is I don't even know how many people end up in these actual state statistics anymore because I think yeah, most I people at this point are probably thinking they've had it and they don't test. Or if you get sick enough, they probably are going to urgent care or doctors. But a lot of people have ordered um, the tests. I just didn't want to have to go wait in another line again. So if I had to test, I ordered the White House freebie test so if i think i have covid i'm going to do one of those tests which i don't think you report anywhere i just know that i have covid and i I think some people find out accidentally like they get a test because they're going somewhere that requires it and all of a sudden they're like oh wait i I have it so so there we are life continues on the governor is back at them and the governor um had his mask on uh they're talking about his first 500 days in office, he was touting economic advancements, um, health security with how they've done with COVID, uh, streamlining and modernizing state government, uh, more people being able to work from home, save our roads from pollution, uh, looking at rural issues. Mara, you're first. If you look at his first 500 days, are, is there anything good, bad, in between that stands out to you where you say, I'm going to give you two thumbs up for this or... 
That so was I'm, not your best day. I'm going to give him a thumbs up for being a really good communicator. I mean, it was very smart of them to mark the 500 days. It's hard sometimes for administrations to draw attentions to their body of work. And this um, governor's office has a really good communications team. So I don't mean that as a backhanded either. I mean, I think that public, That's half the battle, public I think, communication yeah. is really hard. If you look at, they put out a terrific chart that was easy to read. Uh, you know, about half the things, if not three quarters of the things were a team effort, meaning if you were the legislature, you'd maybe go, hey, listen, we started that. I appreciate that you finished it. But, you know, I'm still going to say that's really good communications. He he distilled an agenda. He pushed out what he was doing. The one thing that I see here that I, um, I know they have more details on, but I would love to see this in, let's say, the 750 days, which is measurables. Um, I'm a little thin on convening with no sort of like, I don't know what, I don't, I don't know if I consider it a major accomplishment that you convene. I think it's a really important part of the process, mm-hmm. but what I think the public wants to see are outcomes, not just process. And so there's, a, there's several moments in here that um, are acts of convening, which are really important, but I hope his office follows them up with measurables and specific results. There are several results in here as well that mm-hmm. say, hey, we've delivered and changed this. But he gets a thumbs up for being a good public communicator from me. And communications matters. The, the one thing I thought was interesting is that they were smart enough to put a 500-day something out yeah. there because I don't remember when my own children's or my half birthday is or whatever, right. you know, or like right. coming up with something to sell what you've yeah. been doing. So that's good because yeah. I barely remember my birthday. Yeah, I look, I, there's a graphic here I'm staring at and it's kind of that roadmap to the 500 days. And, and what I read in each of those boxes uh, are the things that I think that our state has to do in a growing state with its challenges. And I think they are things that you tackle and you should tackle. I do think it's a, a, a skillful and important, by the way, not not for window dressing or a political theater, but I do think that effective communication is powerful. And I do think that these items that are listed here in the 500 days of, of Governor Cox's administration are important to highlight. I don't think they're vastly different than what the state's been working on over time. But I do think it's important to bring uh, bring these issues up and, and show the direction the state's going because these are big issues and we are, we have a lot of challenges, but we they're they're good challenges to have in a growing state, uh, you know. So I, I think it's good. All right. Yeah. Look at you. Yeah. Everyone's so positive today. It's good. Very. I like that. Well, um, the big talk in the last week, the couple of weeks, and it keeps to building fervor right now is the formula shortage, which I wouldn't think is political, but uh, the more I read about it, it is political. Um, There's a lot of votes going on in Congress right now. Uh, The biggest one were a lot of Republicans, including Utah Republicans, um, being shamed for voting against $28 million that would go uh, towards the FDA to address the issue. Greg, uh, whose fault is it that we don't have formula? Or is it anyone's fault? It's just this is what's happening. Society can't keep up. And this is not a political problem. So I've, I've heard different commentary about why. I, I don't think it's government's job to, to make sure that the bread's hot and, and in, at your door and that the milk's there and that the eggs are at the store. But I will say that, um, if I've heard right, that the FDA and one of our major manufacturers and producers of uh, form, baby mm-hmm. formula had some, they cited some uh, problems, they shut it down. In hindsight, it being 2020, if you were going to shut down a, a significant producer of, of baby formula to that degree, the what, you know, then what question ought to be on someone's mind uh, because it was going to have a, a pretty big impact. And I think now what you're seeing is a lot of overreaction or just 
trying to do it because it's, it has touched people's lives in such an adverse way. I, I just don't think in 2022 we should be running out of essentials like that. And I think we should be competent enough and whatever, whatever domino pushed over that stopped them from being able to produce it, someone should have known, or we should have had some ability to understand we can't just dry up and this go, frankly, go away. So I, I do hold the FDA and the Biden administration responsible to some degree that if they felt it necessary to shut down a, a a producer of baby formula that, that there was no idea whether you're going to bring it from Nestle from overseas. There has to be something. You can't just let those, those shelves go empty. Like they have. It's and not like so, your favorite granola bar where if they run out, you've got to just wait a few months. Right. I mean, I back. just, I, I'm just really surprised that we didn't, that there's not a better answer than what I hear. And these are anecdotal stories, but I don't believe I'm seeing the silver bullet fly by in my life. Like this isn't happening anywhere, but where I've seen it, but I know young moms who are literally driving from store to store to store to store trying to find, and then they limit how much you can buy. But then you, when you're limited, it makes you want to buy more because you're afraid that uh, it'll run out and you won't be able to be lucky enough to find it the next time. And so it's just, I, I just think we should be able to do better easily, easily better than this. This I, is a, yeah. I, th- I th- this has so many different aspects, which I think is interesting. I am sort of, I appreciate what Pete Buttigieg said the other day. He has two nine-month-olds, yeah. I think. And he really came out and said, hey, it's not the government's responsibility. It's not that the government doesn't have a role, but at the end of the day, this was a lab and they didn't, you know, and the government pointed out that they weren't compliant. Um, to what Greg's saying, though, I mean, I do think the Biden administration, I would have hoped that it was 10 days ago instead of three days ago, because I think in crises like this, days matter. Mm-hmm. But, you know, evoking the Wars Act where where these producers now get bumped to the head of the supply chain, if you will, for essential ingredients that make up baby formula, I think um, is helpful. And I think he, he has taken, Biden has taken pretty aggressive steps to write it. But I do think fundamentally we have to also hold the market responsible. I will also add... Um, Part of the notes on this were that yesterday or the day before, Congress was considering the $28 million, Mm -hmm. and our entire congressional delegation voted against this. So I just want to point out the complexity. I... I don't know why they would that twenty eight million help though. It's going to go it, to the FDA. Isn't their job to do these kind of things anyways? Is the extra twenty eight million? I, I don't so know. So I'm it going does. to agree, agree with our congressional delegation. Yeah. I'm not going to disagree. Get and, out. and the Look Democrats, I know the Democrats are saying, "Hey, you have to do this." But what what this shows once again that I have grown an intolerance for is not doing things right at the congressional level. So it's a half a dozen and six. On one hand, you could make the argument that twenty eight million for better or worse, is a is sofa change. So on one hand, I'm like, come on, guys. We just sent billions. I mean, we talk in yep. the Bs now. So on one hand, I can see someone saying, if $28 million helps solve this, get to it. Where I'm a no is... You identified some shortages and staffing needs at the FDA. You identified some things that aren't working on the FDA. Stop putting band-aids on things and actually take a deep breath and if you want to revamp and reconsider the FDA in a meaningful way, but we have to stop just throwing money at everything we're deeming a crisis. Yeah, it just doesn't work. And the interesting thing is, as I started digging into this, because when we're talking about it every day, I'm just like, okay, I want to understand this. And I found an interesting article that PBS had gone through and done some research. And it's not something you think about until it runs out and then you mm-hmm. got to start talking about it. But here in the U.S., um, there's two makers who are authorized um, – to make Enfamil. So basically there's three companies. There's two different 
ownerships that make Enfamil. And then there's another one that is Nestle, but makes the Gerber brand. That's right. So yeah. 80% comes from these two other companies that make Enfamil. 10% is the Gerber Nestle. And then the other 10% is probably your Harmons or your Target store brand, you know, organic or whatever it is. But 90% of the country comes from these um, essentially three owners, and most of it comes from two. And so when you look at that, uh, the reason why it's happened where it's become a little bit of a monopoly is we have the WIC program. And it seems like not all, but a very um, large majority of people who are using formula are using the WIC program. And uh, the way that the government pays them and how they approve who gets it is kind of whittled it down. So that's why we only have these few you know, businesses doing this. So when you shut one down, then you create problems. Is it the government's fault? No, but did government partially create the problem when you start looking at it that way? It's sort of created the monopoly and sort of probably should have known when they shut down one maker that it would create a ripple effect that would be a problem. Although not to be too old school about it. So I, of course, immediately (laughs) was judgy and was like, come on, we've been alive for millions of years. What were we doing before Enfamil, right? Right. Well, if you do much research on there, the answer really too wrapped up is our babies died. Like it's interesting that before... There was like failure to thrive if you couldn't breastfeed. Yeah, malnutrition and dying of starvation in the 17th and 18th and early 19th century in civilized worlds was not uncommon. Because if you couldn't breastfeed, your alternatives were bone broth and and these things that didn't actually have the enrichment. Interesting. So I do see that... And there's several historical articles that say... Um, socioeconomic status was pivotal because if you could hire a wet nurse and if you could have enslaved people, frankly, supplement that, your kids would always thrive. But there was this entire class of people because I assumed that we were once again getting dumber, which is my current theme, which I'm like, (laughs) I'm sure before they, I don't know, drank whatever. Well, it, it, it really, this not having enriched liquids to ingest in your first six, eight, ten months, um, the high rate of uh, children being malnourished or, or dying is real. Well, I'll yeah. tell you, that's my my experience on this. My 23-year-old, when our first child, when she was born, Krista wasn't able to breastfeed. Maybe that's too much information on a podcast, but we couldn't. And it wasn't that it wasn't. We like all have you, bodies. We were all yeah, born. So, that's so, right. so we. I had. I was. There was. I had to get the the baby formula. Okay, and. It's not like you go to a Maverick and you got a you know these these coolers of eight thousand different versions. Okay, there was a kind that she would drink. If I didn't have that, it wasn't like they gave the doctor said or that she that the, that Soph could drink any version of any kind. It was like a kind that, that was once kind she started she to drink, that was what that's what did. I had to get her. I had to get her that. It wasn't like I could get her different flavors, different types. It wasn't like that. So if I go back to nineteen ninety nine and I think about that. Um, it would be a big, big problem if that if that specific formula wasn't around. I wouldn't have options, I don't think, uh, to go find something else. So once you narrowed life down to some of those limited options, you better not run out. And yeah, I, it's, it's just stressful. so weird that I, I, we've never talked about this. We've never been worried about this. How did all of a sudden one day you wake up and something as vital as baby formula, that again, to your analogy, it's not like your favorite granola bar. It's not your favorite energy drink that if you didn't have, you could go find another one. Something this vi- this essential, we ran out of. Well, I mean, what I hope is that we have 
jumped this to the top of the supply chain. Yep. And hopefully we still have a, I think it sounds like a few more weeks of shortage and crisis, but hopefully after that we'll Yeah, hopefully head back again. in the right direction and hopefully mm-hmm. it makes us think about other supply chain issues because it seems like, you know, uh, there's problems. I know when we were worried about running out of toilet paper, that's not life and death. If you had to, you could go get some newspaper or whatever. But when right. you can't but eat, you can't But there was a run survive. on it, boy. I'll tell you, you'd think it was... I know. I was having the kids pick leaves off the neighbor's trees, stack them up, (laughs) and have them ready just in case. Uh, Interesting thing I just saw yesterday. There hasn't been a lot of talk from this, but Utah is among eight states that was overcounted during the 2020 census. And apparently, this always happens after a census. They have a post enumeration study, which I'm like, why do we do this? Because isn't the census the end all be all? And then we go to the post-enumeration study. But that's when they go back and they actually sit down and talk to families and try to line up numbers. And uh, Utah was an overcount by about 2.6%. So that puts us with, if you're counting us at 3.271 um, million people, we've got 85,000 people who may or may not live in our state. They're not sure. Uh, Hawaii was probably overcounted by close to 7%. Arkansas, they say, undercounted by 5%. In the end, a lot of people are probably shrugging and saying, does this even matter? But, Greg, this has to do with congressional seats and districting maps and everything. So these numbers actually matter. And at this point, it's not like you can move the numbers around. It is what it is, and then you wait 10 years, and then you fix it. Are you sure? Because my answer is contingent on that. If if, if this is actually still adjustable, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to scoff at all these numbers and say that we were exactly right. But... <laughs> I don't want to lose a seat, but yeah. if uh, if it would actually have the effect of changing the, legis- the, the the congressional seats, that would be really tough. I, I will just say this: I I think that we should. I know how they, the Census Bureau likes to estimate. I know how they like to extrapolate from the data that they get. I think they really should be doing what they're doing now. I really think we should have a longer period of time. I know there was arguments about what we were asking in the census questions that delayed the process of getting that out. But they should just be counting everyone and not using, you know, mathematical equations to to try to guess well, a number based on what to. they get. I hmm? think that's the attempt. Well, then how do they know they got it wrong after they, after it's well, over? Well, because there's a bureau that does longitudinal that pointed out the anomaly. I mean, so I, for me, there's two major factors. So which is the mathematical Six. equation? Is it prior or post? The post is because it is well, mathematical that, as opposed to a head count. I like but head counts. So, so I think what's interesting is if you read, it's six about six hundred billion dollars of funds to state and local governments for education, Medicaid, and other health programs, highways, housing law enforcement, and many other categories. So what's at risk mostly? There's the political risks, but not really. What's at risk is really a direct connection to funding. funding. And that's when it gets dicey. I also, it would be, Greg, it would be wrong of me to not point out during this section that many people believe that, oh, um, when the Trump administration came in, they stripped about half of Obama's census um, allocation and so the census went in under the Trump administration underfunded. And that is... Oh, the funding for the f- it. That old funding yeah. for it. And so those of yeah, you we're like leaner, Greg, meaner. Yeah, it was Greg just more efficient who like, government. Who like a headcount yeah. would want a fully authorized budget to make sure that headcount got out. And COVID He was a was, budget hawk. He just knew they could do more. Well, yeah. and now you learned that you did less with less. You did so. less with less. No, because they jammed us up with all the dumb questions they wanted to ask. Those people... 
Yeah, those ba- people yeah, jammed the, you yeah, up. They jammed us up. All these people wanted to <laughs> socially engineer through the question. Those people. But to some extent, I feel like it seems so old school. If we're going back to old school, that we're going and knocking on doors. I feel like there's got to be some better way for them to figure out. No. I mean, they could track our old school on this. I'm with Greg. Mara, I'm with Greg on this. Heidi, old school. Yeah. You want old school on this. You don't want to have like Heaven's a chip no. in your arm where they can track <laughs> you. And the robot is no I, good on this one. I do not need a bean counter to count one cul-de-sac and tell me how many people live in my state and because of it. Yes, I, I'm I am with Greg on this. Against that. Yeah, I that think math it's is the bad. one time that we actually you really agree? count people. <laughs> yes, honestly, count the people. People count matter. Because look, I mean, have you ever done family research? Those you get to see their handwriting. You actually these census reports that they do are actually fascinating to see people write what they you know their occupation, you know where they were born, country so your of origin. Do it for genealogy. I think it's an added benefit. I do. I like it. I'm not saying do it only because of it, but it does certainly give you a a very good understanding of your history. And Mm -hmm. I do appreciate counting real humans too, because when you look at TV, there's a big uh, fight going on for years. Nielsen has been the ratings company that's kind of owned the way that ratings worked on television. But a lot of people are saying, you know, after decades and decades, is this working? Are you really doing it right? Because we have a state of almost 3.3 million people here, and you've got boxes in homes of maybe 350 people across the state, and they're using those people to figure out mathematically how many people are watching on any given night. But, you know... What if... Which segues into something we haven't talked... That's not on our list of things to talk about. But I find it absolutely fascinating that we're discovering in real time that Twitter has a lot of fake accounts. Way more than we thought before. I mean... We're discovering that? I am. We we weren't sure before that I always thought that the bots... No, no. I always thought the bots were like invading in and they were kind of like... um, They were a problem. I'm actually starting to think now that Twitter itself likes, I, I think it's part of their marketing. They get revenue from how many daily active social Twitter media. tweets there are I'm and everything else. And so now, now I feel a- like the fix is in with these bots. I used to think the bots were invading into to the social media platforms and kind of manipulating it from outside. Now you think they are? Now I think that these social media platforms are not as popular or used as much as they're advertising and that those bots might be generated from within, which I find fascinating and worth uh, i hope is being looked into and maybe you very should carefully. get your news from news outlets and that no, that is a news outlet people. i d- twitter's not a news outlet well, well, no no, no. no i'm just saying i'm saying this makes a case media. yeah that makes a case to go back but to you know sort what, of ma- often authentic the root. So yes yeah. but you know what i even think members of the media that are super active on twitter when they get a zillion likes i think it colors the way they look at the world i do and i think if, if yeah. a lot of those likes aren't real then i think there's a, an attempt at it would be nice to know. So it'd be interesting. I don't know how they get to the bottom of it either because I'm not a computer scientist, but I'll be interested to see if Elon Musk can get to the bottom of how many bots are yeah. out there. I read He's something that said a third of his 93 million followers, a third are fake. Half of President uh, Biden's uh, t- followers are fake. That's Those, are, those aren't like the 3% five percent numbers that Twitter was using before. Do you know who, the, who has this who the purchase. top two Twitter um, who has the top two most Twitter followers? Who? Can we just guess? Elon, Elon and, well, President Trump's off. No, they've got to so be like superstars, him. like yeah. the Taylor Swifts or the someones of the world. So Obama's number one, Ooh. which surprised me. And uh, I think it's Kim Kardashian. One of the Kardashians, but I think it's Kim. Interesting. Those are all bots. 
I Kim's don't are? Yeah. All. I think Obama's might be. I think Kim's are probably legit. <laughs> Like yeah, they actually, yeah, yeah, they actually. come there for the butt photos. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, I think there's honestly, that many people who that want is, butt that photos. That is the best narration of this country. Yes, Kims are actually all valid, and the, there yeah. are too many bots. All in the ages, others. all any locations. politician with a bunch of them, they're bots. They're yeah. just well. <laughs> there's more sense that there would be bots following politicians as opposed to sure. like someone who posts hot pictures. Because sure. I mean, bots trying to change the narrative and politics makes sense, but changing the narrative but on butt pics are pretty straight on, yeah, yeah they're pretty like they it is what it is tmz you know? is just tmz you don't have yeah. to really push that any direction yeah, it's just, just gonna is be what, what it is. is remember she broke the internet all on her own yeah i don't remember what she was doing does she have like chardonnay on her butt or I something i remember something like that which speaking of beverages i was looking at yours and i know that you drink water out of a can but i love that it says still water because that's a very um united kingdom isn't that nice yeah. more oceans less plastic right here I see that and I get I resent it. I resent I resent I look across water. the table at Greg's strawberry lemonade. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. It's called but it's body, light. body armor. I think it's I think it's zero calories. But, but here's the thing. This is what I, since you brought it up. This is what I resent about water in a can. We were all I can't told wait. <laughs> We were all told to go plastic. Plastic bags, not paper oh, bags. You're living in the past, um, buddy. You know, you can't we had plastic water bottles, but now you can't everything they tell us we have to do to save the planet. The just go way. long enough, and it ends up ruining the planet. We were told to get away from cans because we are using all this metal, and it's all extraction, and blah, blah, blah. you got to use plastic. Then now that's wrong. We go back to cans. We go back to paper bags. It's we all, it's we all have plastic. It's As all someone scam. left of center, I feel like I need to declare that I usually carry a reusable water bottle. Which is unhealthy. I didn't it's have it today. Dirty. So I I'm the same. It gets dirty. I have reusable it. water bottles, and I think I have three on my desk. And sometimes I leave, I squeeze lemon in there all the right. time, and there's seeds. And then I'm like, oh, that's growing something. And I don't have time to wash it out, so sometimes yeah, I'll get a paper right. cup or a styrofoam did, cup, well, and I feel bad. But sometimes Speaking of cleanliness, did you know a report just came out and said that your credit card's dirtier than cash oh yeah byu did that, that. study because they know? were looking at covid and covid lived i forget how long but longer on your credit card than cash cash had just like i was always told that cash was filthy now it turns out your debit card credit cards dirtier than cash it's the disgusting other, I still wouldn't the eat most my cash. disgusting report i've ever read of for those of you with healthy beards you should go read about what you're carrying around there Ugh. oh I'm Don't just, say that. I'm, just, I'm, I'm adding. Mine's not very long, though. No, I yours is, grow. like, not... I'm talking a healthy beard. Yeah. Like, how often do you, do you, like, put soap in it in the shower, or do you just let the soap from your head, like, fall into your beard? I wash my face and my my facial okay. hair at the same time. Okay, mm-hmm. so okay. it gets washed. That's good with to know. With soap. Yes, with and soap. And some scrubbing. I use so I wash my face with soap. All right. Yes. Now I've got the heebie-jeebies. Yeah. Did you know the hand dryers in the bathrooms suck all the air out of the bath out of the public stall, which has I have read gross, of gross things, things about on that. there, so it just throws it all on your hands on those dryers. Since we're talking health, I mean, I know I've sort of gotten to the point where I'm like that put me on washing, chill. shaking like a dog, mm-hmm. like grabbing the doors with my elbows. And open, I which is like yep, I uh, that put me on tilt. The yeah. whole hand dryer thing, that they're not sanitary. Well, with all this education, I feel like it's appropriate that we talk about the state education here in Utah. Uh, Governor Spencer Cox, while he was down and out uh, with COVID, was still getting some work done and uh, nominated, or I guess the words appoint. He appoints members to serve on the Utah Board of Higher Education, which is important because higher ed, in my mind, needs people who um, are looking carefully at what we're doing, looking at the way we spend money, how we work it, because I feel like it's a little bit of a hot mess at times. And so I'm going to read you a list of who has been um, appointed. They still have to be anointed, let's say, by the legislature. Stan Albrecht, Julie Beck, Rich Christiansen, Hope Eccles, and Steve Starks. 
any names that stand out to you guys where you're like, oh, that's a really good pick. They're going to have something great to offer the higher education in the state of Utah. Or you're like, oh, that's weird. I would not have thought of them. The one I like the most is Stan Albrecht. I think he was a phenomenal uh, university president at USU. I actually, my son's going to go to school there next fall. And I actually, I mean, no, nothing against uh, President Cockett, who's there. She's doing a phenomenal job. But he was just uh, just a special leader and individual. And I just have so much faith in this guy. And I just, I, I, I felt his departure from higher ed when he decided to retire just from his leadership. So to see him come back into the game and be reappointed, I really, really like that. Well, pick. if we're loving on Utah State, and I know your daughter just graduated Just from graduated, there, yeah. Um, I want to give a shout-out to who helps put forth the nominees who, and that's David Wilstenham. And he is the commissioner of higher education. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he has been tremendous because what I think he has brought – is he's trying to get, as Greg pointed out, really good thinkers. I think he wants people who think independently and will push back on each other and not just be one glob of agreement. Yep. Um, and th- because these these uh, represent all the institutions of higher ed and they're grappling with issues like affordability and things that are a bit subjective. Mm-hmm. And so Wollstone Hume, I know, is a big part of the process of proffering a longer list to the governor. The governor certainly is the one who narrows it down, but all of these, I think, would have come originally from Wilson. And Steve Starks was once with the Jazz, but he is over is, the yeah. larger Larry H. Miller group now, Right, I think. yeah, and he... He's, um, a, good, he's a good good egg. Yeah, I, like I mean, Steve. I think, I, I don't, I, I, I failed to point one out because I think I look at this list and what I like most is there's no one that I want to put up a warning flag, right? You don't want to put no a flag in front not, of their house. Not, yeah. yeah, giving me heartburn. And well, the interesting thing is, I, I mean, these are important roles. I think pe- most people probably don't think about them. But when we're talking about how costly our kids' education is or how difficult it is for them to be paying off their loans, I think people who are thinking outside of the proverbial box and thinking about how to move forward in the future and who needs to be getting higher education and who could be better going to other um, technical schools, I think these are all important things as we move forward so that we're doing right for our children. I, I will tell you, if I were to pull the, the curtain back and let listeners at least from my perspective, what this board has been in the past, um, and I think this is a better version, is I think that sometimes these were very prestigious appointments that a governor makes. Mm -hmm. And I think that you had very important people of our state that were appointed to these very important positions. And they were positions of, you know, there was was some, you know, cachet with being on this board. And then you'd have a meeting and you'd have staff put in front of you what you needed to vote on. And it was just, I, I don't think there was a lot of rolling up the sleeves and diving in head first and trying to, you know, do something. I think there was just a, I think it was just, I don't want, I'll I'll say it, a bunch of blue bloods. Okay. (laughs) And I, I I just think, and I just think that, um, I think that, that some of the names I'm reading here, I don't know everyone that's on this list, but of the names I know, I actually have faith that they will not just rubber stamp anything staff puts in front of them and that they are going to be listening to leaders of our state, whether it be executive branch, legislative branch, the public, the kids that go to school, what the costs are. And I think that there's some uh, there's there's some sweat equity involved in the names here. And I think sometimes that posi- those positions have been kind of just kind of just prestigious. It was like an ones. honorary degree, but not a real. Yeah, I just yeah. think yeah. it was it was just more yeah. it was just more a bunch of important people. While we're talking about universities, this was like big talk last year when we were talking about um, 
Dixie, I almost called them Southern Utah University. They wish they had that name. But Dixie <laughs> State is uh, getting their rebrand right now for Utah Tech. And they came out for all the logos and the pictures. Mara, did did they hit the nail on the head and do a good job at the rebrand? Or are you like, eh. I'm 100% for them. I'm just going to move forward, Greg. I'm not going to look back. I will say, I mean, here's why I knew it was good. They've been going up on TV a little bit. Yeah. And it, uh, I was watching... One of their commercials and thinking, gosh, th- what this school is this? This is great. And it finished. I'm like, oh, look at the Utah school. I like the Buffalo. I like the brand. I like, the, I mean, the colors, I don't know. They're a little University of Utah. I need them to differentiate themselves. But I like Utah Tech. I think it's great. I think it is time for a new page. It's catchy. I'm, I'm supportive. I'm down with it, Greg. Yeah, I'm not. I, I think it's wasted political capital. Hey, look. Utah Tech, I think it's just a generic name. I, I, I didn't, there's nothing wrong with the word It's not Dixie. spicy like it the University not, of Utah. Yeah, well, I think there is <laughs> one Utah U of U, State. but I think the more you just keep using the word Utah on every school Salt we Lake have. Salt Lake Community I just think College, it, those sexy names. I think Dixie, <laughs> Utah's Dixie had a, had a geographic importance. I don't buy in that that name is racist. I think the only people that say it's racist are woke white people, and I think they could have kept their history. It's It's plastered across a mountain up there i mean you got dixie high school you've got i mean you can't if you're offended by the word dixie you can change that university you better just blindfold It'll still yourself be the dixie campus though right? everything's yeah, dixie but they've right. got dixie glass they've got they're every business in the world's named dixie they get roads named after dixie i mean the idea that we height there was this hypersensitivity of this university's name was over the top and wholly but do you unnecessary hate their logo i mean come it's, on it's be fine, in the but, present but with but us. i but i really liked I thought it was unique. I liked Dixie. I mean, they should have oh, gone with on. orange so it looked like they're rocks. But I do want them to be a different color. That's yeah, my only. It looked very University of Utah, like you I said. But one thing that I hadn't thought of before with the Utah Tech is that when they abbreviated it, what you saw on the helm of the UT, UT I'm like, oh, it's Utah. So, yeah. I mean, that was kind of nice. But I do see that there's some pushback from it's people generic. who live in Southern Utah. You and lose some it. of its color, its flavor. They already had the buffalo. They had that with. Yeah, Dixie and they University. have had Dixie for that long. So, like your deep love of that, which. You've never thought of, you know. Come I, on, I'm telling you, I, I you, you did, it was it was change that was unnecessary. Mm. Well, I think whoever was in charge of their graphics, whether you like the rebrand or not, I think they did a nice job of. It's very professional. A nice, it doesn't yes. look bush league. Yeah, so that's good, good, right? Yeah, look, I guess by itself it's fine, but I, again, I Dixie Tech, I wouldn't know from Utah, you know, University. It all just feels all the same. It just blends all into the same kind of feel. Um, but so you that aside, party in I the do South. love the Buffalo. I do love Trailblazer. I think Trailblazer is a great mascot name. and I do like the Buffalo, so I think that's cool. All right. I like that we can agree on that. I'm glad we could all spend this day together and um, that while there were things to talk about this week, that none of them felt as life-altering as we've been talking we, about. We, went, we uh, really went into weeks. hygiene today, and I think that's an important topic that I shouldn't be always ignored. I think it was important that we bring this up and highlight it. So. It is true. So we have important topics that we bring to you <laughs> that we think maybe you're not at the forefront of your mind. If you're not washing your hands for the full alphabet or you're using just water and not soap, this is the time to step it up and start what lathering up. Was yeah. it a coincidence that Mara kept coughing on me and we kept talking about hygiene? Was that she was not was, were those independent you. events? Or I did, saw were they her elbowing related? and in the opposite direction. <laughs> that is correct. I know the correct way to super spread. Thank you. <laughs> like if she wants to get you sick, she's going to do a better yep. job of That's it. That's right. So if you're listening to us and you're not feeling great right now, go get some vitamin D, stand outside in the sunshine, breathe yeah. it in, and we'll be back with you next Friday. Thanks for joining us for another week of Take Two.